1: What's going on, everybody? we got a great guest for you today, Gator Boy Chris. Chris Gillette, he's on the show today, and he's got some amazing stories about uh, alligator training, sharks, alligator wrestling, crocodiles, cobras, working with David Blaine. It's a great conversation. Stand by. Here we go. And the
0: producer's like, no, that sounds better. We're using that. And I'm like, wasn't the show supposed to be like educational? And he's like, the effing people will and eat what I and feed them. He can barely move. He's so limp. And then I help him onto the stage and hold the mic for him. And like, I'm helping holding him up, you know, and then look out and just see this huge crowd. Like, Hey, there's Eminem. I'm Chris Gillette, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast.
1: Chris, what's going on?
0: Good. Hey, how you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm really happy to have you on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we, we were gonna get started an hour ago, but uh you had some the animals were going crazy. What what kind of thing did you have going on this morning? I would imagine it's something all the time.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much nonstop. So like uh Last night, it got down about 37 out here. So yeah. I had to move a bunch of animals around and put them inside. And then this morning, I got to put them out.
1: So you have to move things. What's the temperature where where you really start having some trouble?
0: I So just kind of backtrack for a second, so I've lived in South Florida for like the last 20 years or something, you know? And uh, so I just recently bought a 40-acre property up in North Florida. And uh, so that was only about uh, like eight months ago or so. Okay. And so we just moved our entire rescue up here to North Florida and obviously North and South Florida. Well, maybe it's not obvious if you don't know. There's a huge difference. They might as well be different states, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then up here, it gets down like, again, like in the 30s. Down in South Florida, that almost never happens. right? And so we're having to make a lot of adjustments for our animals.
1: Well, we've had, um, you know, in South Florida, all kinds of fish kills and different things when it gets really cold. What's the temperature where it really could affect your animals?
0: Well, I got a lot of variety. I have all kinds of different animals. So um, some of them, I mean, they can't handle lower than 50. Really? You know, some of them are a lot more hardy, depends on what we're talking about. But uh, I mean, up here, it can get down into the teens. It's just crazy.
1: Yeah. And so is it true, like, you know so much about alligators and crocodiles and everything. Um, I think I saw something where it, it was, how, how can an alligator, I guess what I'm getting at is, can an alligator survive? Um, very cold temperatures, like even being iced in, I think I saw something on Instagram and I don't know if it's true or not, but it, it showed like just the nose up ice all around an alligator. Tell me how that works with, with, with an alligator or crocodile, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, it's only alligators. So alligators are the most cold tolerant crocodilians. So they range all the way up to North Carolina naturally. And up that far North, the ponds they live in will freeze over and they will have their nose sticking up out of the ice and that way they can still breathe. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they are the most cold-tolerant. And to give you a really crazy example, I know this uh, old-timer crazy guy, and he had a place up in Buffalo, New York, where he had alligators, and he would bring them in every winter because, obviously, it's Buffalo, New York. It's super cold. They're going to die, right? Well, he had one that he couldn't catch. It was in an outdoor pond, and he'd catch them all, bring them inside. He had one he couldn't catch, and it survived multiple winters outside in Buffalo, New York.
1: Wow. I mean, that's like, that's where they ice fish. I mean, that's like three feet of ice or two feet of ice in some of those ponds.
0: He doesn't know how it survived. Uh, He could never find it. It would just, everything would be covered in snow and everything's frozen. And the gator he assumed was dead. And then come the spring thaw, it's swimming around. There he is. (laughs) So, that's that's, yeah, it's pretty wild. Now, that's one that is, uh, you know, anecdotal. I mean, I know this guy's telling the truth. I've known him for many, many years. Um, but that's one that, you know, like, uh, what do you want to say? Modern science is not aware of, as far as I know. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. So what was the decision like to move from South Florida to Northern Florida, especially with the temperatures and all the different animals that you have? Was that, I mean, what what kind of factors did you play in that made it worth going um, up there?
0: About ninety percent financial. Yeah, I mean that's to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean uh, I got forty acres up here for less than a single family home with a side lot would cost in South Florida. Wow, and like it is insane the price difference.
1: And so is is this the area that you're putting out most of your social media content with that super clear water and where you're swimming with Casper? Is that is that where you are? Okay.
0: Yeah, so what I'm doing, that's at the Everglades Outpost in Homestead. So what I do right now, until I get my gator ponds dug and I get my stuff completed up here, because that's a whole mission in itself, uh, what I'm doing right now is I'm driving down six hours each way every weekend to go down there, uh, hang out with Casper on the weekend, I run my tours with him, do some videos with him, and then I drive all the way back up. So it's a 12-hour commute for my work day.
1: Wow. And when do you think that you'll have this all complete?
0: I mean, fingers crossed, I'm hoping that uh, next week we're supposed to concrete the ponds that I have dug already, and uh, hopefully we get that done, and um, then we have to do the permitting process through FWC, which is can be difficult. So hopefully, maybe, best case scenario within a month. Uh, worst case, they're supposed to be able to process permits within 90 days, but I've heard that is not always the case. So,
1: So what's your vision for this new place?
0: Um, so it's a, it's a lot of stuff going on up here. So we do run a wildlife rescue, an exotic animal rescue. So we have a lot of things that like, I never thought we would have as far as envisioning goes. Right. So like right now I have five coates, which is like a South American raccoon that I never thought I would even have one of these things. Um, so yeah, running a rescue means very weird, unexpected stuff comes up. Uh, my, my vision is having alligators and crocodiles and really focusing on that, but uh, when you're doing a rescue work, it's kind of wherever the call comes from.
1: So the rescue, like like that particular animal, was someone trying to keep those? Do you have collectors so, and people that just, you you end up with these crazy things that people are trying to keep as a pet? Or how does it work?
0: right so uh one of them we actually caught we got a call at, you know early in the morning like oh there's a coyote in our garage and they were like what and they sent us a picture and sure enough it was it was, it was a in kind of gainesville area and we drove over and yeah somebody i don't know if it's escaped or released pet but yeah it was in their garage and it was not nice and <laughs> uh yeah full feral wild animal um but it had one of its claws was actually all the way curled back into its own palm. So whoever had it was not taking good care of it Mm. originally. Um, So that's how we got one of them. And then the other four are surrenders from people who did have them as pets.
1: Wow. And then you could get a call for anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll, we're not permitted for everything, but I mean, I've talked to FWC. I'm like, dude, if you ever need a hand, let me know. I will help you catch literally anything.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's wild. All right. Well, before we get too far into the podcast, I want to do the hot seat questions with you. Um, it gives gives the viewers a, a a way to get to know you a little bit better. Some of them are funny, but um, so either or questions, just as quickly as you can as you can go. You ready to go? Let's do it. iPhone or Android iphone instagram tiktok or youtube instagram something that scares you
0: um uh exams exams <laughs> okay yeah no like that's the honest answer man i still have bad dreams about college exams
1: uh me too uh sharks or crocodiles oh,
0: that's so hard to pick that's uh, I, I guess crocodiles okay that's really hard
1: mountains or beaches for vacation
0: I'm always on beaches. I'm always diving. So, if I was going to go somewhere where I don't normally go, maybe mountains, I guess, because okay. I've never, I never do that.
1: Okay. Alligators or crocodiles?
0: Oh, uh, you're killing me with these. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: I, I sat up late at night thinking about what how I was going to stump you.
0: Oh, God. Yeah. I, it's so hard. Um, I guess I'd go with crocs. Though. I love the crocs.
1: Okay. Drive or fly?
0: Uh, well, I, I mean, I hate flying, but you get there faster.
1: <laughs> That's true. Some people are afraid of it. Venomous or non-venomous snakes?
0: Um, venomous are just so much cooler. You know, they're just so different. So cool. <laughs> Cobras? Oh, my God.
1: Yeah. That's what uh, Kevin said. You'd been doing a lot of work with them. Sea or land?
0: Uh, honestly, sea, man. Yeah.
1: Cool. One million now or 10 million later?
0: Um, i do the later.
1: Okay. Coffee or energy drink or nothing?
0: I, I don't usually do either.
1: I kind of thought that about you. TV show or your own YouTube or social?
0: That's where I'm at right now, actually. That is literally crossroads I'm at right now. Where I'm like, what am I? What am I doing? I got to figure this out. I got producers talking to me all the time, and I'm like, ideally, a successful social media, I think, is better.
1: Okay. Uh, something that makes you laugh.
0: Um, the comments I get on the internet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> something that you have changed your mind on in the last three years.
0: Oh, my God. I don't have one off the top of my head I can think about. Maybe the TV stuff. I used to be all about doing TV, and now I'm, like, pretty anti-TV.
1: Hmm. Interesting. We'll get to that. Uh, best advice you remember being given?
0: Uh, remember that you are always replaceable. Very good. I think that's very humbling, and I think a lot of people need to keep that in mind. People get way too big for their britches, and they forget, like, you are always replaceable.
1: I like it. One piece of advice that you have passed on more than once.
0: Um, I mean, there's a lot, I've taught a lot of people how to handle alligators and crocodiles and whatnot. And, um, I think one of my favorite things that I tell people is when you're working with dangerous animals, like he doesn't care who you are, doesn't care what you've done. It's who you are in that moment and whether you can walk the walk, you know, and just again, the humility, keeping that in mind that like that thing will reduce you to a literal turd. If you <laughs> mess up, like
1: any of them, even Casper. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That's that's a big one. I, I'm always preaching that.
1: Yeah. I like that on your um on on some of your videos with Casper like um that's one of the things that you say is like like this animal, I love him, but he does not love me. And uh, yeah. and and you know, you have to do things the right way and you can you have to assume that you're gonna get bit, basically is I think the advice that you were given in that. And so in other words, if you're assuming that you're gonna be, get bit, then you have to handle yourself in the right way. Right. And I'm definitely not a wildlife handler. I can handle fish with teeth, but I'm not, I I don't have any, any experience or, nor do I really want any with snakes or, or crocodiles. But I think that it's super interesting when you see, and I think that's why so many people like what you do is like, it's super interesting. And most people think I would never want to do that, but you're so calm and, and comfortable doing it. Or you, at least you look like it on the outside.
0: No, I, I'm really calm uh, doing it. I think um, a good way to put that is everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same with this. Like, we can talk all day. People ask me constantly, well, what do you do about this? And What do you do about that? And what do you do about this? And X, Y, Z plan this, 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 and this. And, and I can answer all those, and I do have plans. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the line, what's your plan when you get nailed? Because that's where your brain needs to be. You know and like that's everybody's got a plan so they get punched in the face you know people think that they're going to be able to avoid having the animal like actually try to get them you know especially with like i I do so much with casper because i run tours with him and people forget like i run a business so of course i promote him the most because i want you to come do my tour i'm trying to make money (laughs) you know i'm trying to build a a sanctuary over here out out of my own pocket um so people think like I only work with a with a mellow alligator that's really calm, and it's like, dude, as a professional alligator wrestler for like the last decade, you know, like I know how to handle a completely wild alligator. So when I'm with Casper, I'm always like, yeah, people are like, what are you going to do if he tries to bite you? I'm like, he's tried to bite me a thousand times for one, and for two, he can throw anything he's got at me. I'll handle it.
1: Do you think at this point, like when <clears throat> with all of your uh, alligator wrestling, and and then I mean, how how? I would imagine that you can sense the body language. You can feel the tension in the in the alligator. Very similar to like when, when, when we're handling fish. you got a big kingfish or something with teeth, a wahoo, something like that, a barracuda. When you're handling something like that, you can feel the tension in the fish. Like he's about to go. Like yeah, you can feel it. Absolutely. Right? And I don't know anything about alligators or crocodiles, but I would imagine that it's a very similar thing that you, someone that's experienced, if you have your hand on that animal, you could feel... That it is about to do something. You don't know, you yeah, might not know what, but like explain that to me. Like, how long does it take for you or somebody that you're training to kind of get comfortable enough to where you're really kind of forecasting behavior or you know, like it's not a good time to go for that particular one. Otherwise, you know, you're good.
0: Yeah, it's um I would say it's kind of a mix between experience with the animal and then also just being someone that can really pick up on minor differences and 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 things that happen i don't know exactly how to articulate that well but um i always say like when i'm training somebody new to handle alligators or something i'm always like you know do you have any experience in martial arts that's usually one of the best things somebody can have is experience in martial arts, because whether you know it or not, if you've done it for a while, you really pick up on how people telegraph their movements, when they're going to go for a strike or a kick or something like that. And so being able to recognize when somebody's telegraphing really helps you so much with animals as well, because everything does it, you know, everything telegraphs. Um, So you, you have to be able to learn the animal, but just having that years of experience of, being able to pick up on when something's going to telegraph is incredibly important. And then also like, like with, with Kevin, you know, I I taught Kevin how to handle alligators and he didn't have any martial arts experience, but interestingly enough, he was a cheerleader. (laughs) And which is not what you would think would be good for this, but it is because it's about, you know, knowing your body, knowing your strengths, knowing how to work your body. And then also you're working with somebody, even though you're not like, Fighting them, like for right. my background with martial arts, you know, but you are reading somebody, you mm. know, you're reading their body and, and how to work with them. And you're throwing, you know, obviously I've never done cheerleading, but for Kevin, when he's like throwing somebody up and doing this kind of stuff, like it's very physical and you're reading that person the whole time, you know?
1: Yeah. What's your martial arts background?
0: So I'm not a pro by any means in in any way. (laughs) I don't want to sound cooler than I am. I'm definitely not like a pro or anything like that. But um, I did uh, karate all through high school into college. Um, And then in college, I also did Aikido. Um, And then just kind of after college, I started just kind of training like MMA. I started working with a guy that um, fought in UFC and doing training with him and whatnot, too. Cool.
1: That's awesome. Um, I've got some friends in the UFC, too, like Clay Guida. Do you know him? The I don't know him. He's uh he's fought like fifty times in the UFC. He's a he's a uh Hall of Famer. Anyway, he loves to fish, and he you would, you'd love this guy. He's he's an awesome dude. Uh, but down in South Florida a lot. Maybe we'll in North Florida too. Maybe we'll come see you someday. Um, um. So specifically, uh, I wanted to ask you about the alligators and crocodiles because we have a. You know, a tremendous number of people that listen to this podcast love the Everglades, not only just the, the fishing in the Everglades, but all the creatures that are in the Everglades, too. But you also do a lot of stuff with sharks and you've done a lot of shark diving and and stuff like that, which is another creature that is in the Everglades for sure. Um, what uh, where do you do the shark stuff that you'd like to do?
0: So the majority of it is off the coast of Jupiter. Mm. <laughs> There's so plenty of them the there. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, that, that's why, you know, so if I'm doing like the tourism side for sharks, that's the main place we go because if I got a group of people that want to see them, that's pretty much a guaranteed spot to go see them, you know?
1: Uh, Yeah. Um,
0: But then what's that?
1: Yes. That's definitely yeah. a guaranteed spot to see them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's like the, One of the best places to go see them, but then I also do a lot of international stuff traveling, you know, go diving and whatnot. I mean, that's mainly for me, you know, I do a lot of photography and and then shooting video as well. So I do uh, a lot of shark diving in Mexico is one Mm. of the best places as well. I love it out there.
1: Yeah. And like in the Yucatan of Mexico or which side of Mexico?
0: depends uh depends what you're going for um but the better is on the other side on the pacific side yeah um so out there like uh some of the offshore islands like we well, go guadalupe for the great whites is the most famous one i've done that one um socorro is absolutely amazing too that's a really awesome dive site um where else did we go we went for whale sharks and Playa del carmen uh yeah so a little around out there that's
1: cool where did you grow up
0: So I'm from Palm Bay, Florida. That's where I was born and raised. And then um as soon as I was out of high school, I went down to Miami to go to FIU for college.
1: Okay. And and when where along the way did you pick up diving and and um I mean it sounded like when I was reading your bio, you were out in the woods a lot when you were a kid finding creatures and snakes and lizards and everything else, but where where did the diving come in?
0: So my grandparents had a timeshare down on Marathon. Okay. And so every summer we go down there and I mean before I can even remember, my dad would take me out snorkeling, and I would just be like a little monkey clutched to his back, and he'd take me and he'd shove me underwater to go down and look at stuff. And yeah, that's that's where my love of diving came from.
1: Wow, do you remember the the uh, the first time that you were uh, encountered sharks and and what you thought of it as a kid?
0: So we were going from uh, do, do you do you do a lot in the Keys? Yeah, too? yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there. You know, um, what is I think it's called Money Key.
1: Yeah, I know Money Key.
0: So we were swimming to money key from, uh, I forgot what key it is. That's closer on the West side. Um, the, is that, it.
1: uh, well, money key that I know there could be more than one money key, but, um, would that be like around marathon area? Is that what you're talking about? Man,
0: it's been or a while. Big Pine,
1: Maybe. I think so.
0: It's. I don't want to mess it up. I okay. don't...
1: Either way, you're swimming to money key. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm going I'm to mess it up. It's been so long. But anyways, there was there was one very small key that was off of one of the bigger ones, you know. And so we'd park the car there and we'd swim out to the other one, um, or at least my dad would. And I would just kind of hold on to him, you know. Yeah. And my dad was a big diver and everything like that. But I'll never forget, we were swimming out across that and there's an area where you're just in open water and you can't see anything, you know? I mean, once you're next to the Keys, you can obviously, you can see the bottom, see the reef, you know, it's beautiful, but we were just in open water and you can't see anything down. And I looked down and there was just a, I don't know what it was, but to me looked like it had to be like a 20 foot shark that just went right underneath us. And uh, couldn't even tell, like you couldn't see the skin of it. You just saw the shadow. And it, it was massive. I still don't know what it was, but it was a massive shadow of a shark that went right underneath us. And just, yeah, I, I, mean, I was a little kid. I couldn't even swim on my own. And just being like, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> just being terrified, you know. But also fascinated at the same time.
1: So how does it go from being terrified and fascinated to actually that's your life's passion? Like where along the line did, 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 the, did the switch flip?
0: So... This is my personal theory, but I think that we are obsessed with, uh, like humans are obsessed with uh, predatory animals. Like, and I don't care who you are. You don't know anything about animals. You live in a city your entire life. If you see a video of a dude getting attacked by a crocodile, people stop scrolling and watch it. Yes. So we are innately obsessed with watching this kind of stuff, I think because it's instinctual, because in the back of your monkey lizard brain, you know – well, you don't know, but back there, you're like, pay hey, attention, this might happen to you one day, even though nowadays it's not going to happen to anybody, you know, most people at least. Um, but instinctually, our basal brain is like, always pay attention when an animal's attacking something so you can learn from that experience and try to pick something up that might save you down the line. And I think that, I mean, if you look at other primates, they do the same thing if you know you see monkeys and one of them gets nailed by a croc all yes. the other monkeys are watching yeah. you know and we're all trying to learn so it doesn't happen to us like what that guy do wrong how do i avoid this you know so i think that fascination for me i was i was just i consumed all media that i can get my hands on you know on tv and, and whatever watching and learning about these animals i think because of that and then the more i learn the more i'm like and then i look at what i see in real life and i'm like this is wrong. Like what people are saying is incorrect. And I would find myself knowing more than even as a kid, knowing more than all the adults do, or even some of the people on TV do. Yeah. And so the more I learn about it, the more I'm like, dude, people don't know what they're talking about. And then the more I learn about the animals, I'm like, they're really not that bad. Like, yeah, they're dangerous. Don't get me wrong, but they're really amazing. And they deserve our admiration and our respect and our protection.
1: So specifically like sharks or, or alligators or crocodiles or what, what comes to mind when you're when you're thinking about when you were a kid and and you you just noticed like this is not the right information coming through?
0: Um I mean probably sharks is probably the biggest one because people just have this perception that sharks are just completely out to get you. And then I'm nowadays I'm out there freediving. I'll be literally surrounded by fifty bull sharks holding my breath, you know, sixty feet deep, perfectly fine. Yeah, you know, I'm totally calm. Nothing's going on. People are like what bull sharks? I'm like, they're they're not what you think. They're really not. Now, you know, I'm I'm always the first person telling. Me, Don't get me wrong. You do things the wrong way, they'll kill and eat you. Like they're real predators, but they're not mindless. You know, they're not stupid. They're really smart. And if you do things the right way, you can be fine. Yeah. How
1: long have you been doing that? The the shark diving, especially with with people. I mean, on your own probably first, and then then you guide people or or go on charters for that right is that the way it yeah happened? so
0: uh well let me tell you the first time I ever went because it's <laughs> a really funny story and I almost got killed <laughs> <laughs> so um the first time I ever went uh I'd seen a few sharks snorkeling right and you just see them in the distance and they're like okay you know whatever cool you know it's 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 exciting you don't really know much about them yet you know um and then I had a friend who was big into spear fishing and he's like no every time i'm chumming for spirit fishing we get tons of sharks so let's just go out and chum and see some. and i'm like okay like <laughs> you know i'm i'm god what was I, I i was probably like i don't know like maybe 25 or something like that you know so just full testosterone no brains you know yeah. <laughs> and i'm like yeah let's go <laughs> like it'll be fun and we and it's just the four of us and uh, we go out there and we start chumming and we get a ton of sharks and we get a like I don't know, man. We probably had like maybe 30 or 40 uh, silkies and duskies and sandbars up. It was during the summer and the pelagic season out here. Um, so we had a ton of them up, and it's really fun. It's awesome, and it was calm. It, everything was going great, but we didn't know we were doing it all. We just It just happened to be going well. And then um, we popped up. We were all in the water off the boat. Nobody's on the boat, and we look up, and there's a huge storm rolling in. And the the wind's blowing this way, and the current's going this oh, way. No. And before we know it, we're losing the boat. and we are trying to catch up to the boat and the wind is blowing. It's so hard. And like we couldn't. and I had little tiny fins. I wasn't like i I just been like mainly snorkeling. I'd never done free diving at that point. So I' didn't, everybody, the other three guys had like big, long free dive fins. I had these little stupid snorkel fins. And so we panicked and we're like, we gotta get to the boat. And we start just hauling butts to the boat and they leave me in the dust immediately because you know, I got these little stupid fins and they have the nice big ones. And so, like, we get separated and we're panicking and we're splashing like crazy and freaking out. And so, if anybody knows anything about sharks so far, you're like, don't get separated from the group. Don't panic. And we're doing everything wrong right here. And so, as soon as I got separated from the group and we're panicking, all the sharks fixated on me.
1: Oh boy! And then
0: before I knew it, I had one. You know, like try to bite me in the leg, and I turn around and I push it off. And as soon as I do that, and I don't know what I'm doing again. So I'm like doing big explosive movements, like trying to punch them. And then, and then, like the more you move, the more you panic, the more explosive your actions, the more they're interested because they're like, oh, this guy's freaking out. Let's get him, you know. And then they're on me and i'm just thinking like i had a moment because at that point i've been working with alligators for years anyway so like i understood animals but it my first experience with sharks but a lot of stuff does translate and so i was like i didn't know enough about sharks to know what i was screwing up but i knew i was screwing up and i remember just having this moment not of fear but of anger and being like how did i i am so stupid how did i get in this situation like i know better and just i was pushing them off like left and right they're coming up trying to bite me and i mean like full-on trying to bite you you know you're hitting them right in the nose and like one hits me here and I push it there and it hits me there and I'm just like back and forth like this. And I'm and I'm like, I'm gonna die. Like I I definitely thought I was gonna at at least I thought I was gonna lose a big chunk. I mm-hmm. didn't know if I was gonna get killed, but I was like, there's no way I'm getting out of this without getting bit. And thankfully one of my buddies noticed and he came back to me. And as soon as he was with me, the sharks backed off. Mm-hmm. And because uh, then you're, you're together again, you know, they, they want to single out that individual by themselves. And as soon as my friend was back with me, they backed off. And then, like, I, I calmed down. And then because uh, my other friends got to the boat and then they brought the boat over and then we were fine. Um, but it was like that close, man. I almost got totally screwed.
1: And, you know, when you hear a story like that or even think about any, any type of story like that, that, half the people or maybe way more than half the people are going to say, I will never do this again. And then there is a certain portion of that population that will say, this is exactly what I want to do. Just different, not <laughs> not this way again, right? Like, yeah. do you remember thinking that? Like you get on the boat and you're safe now and, well, you still have the storm to deal with, but you're, you know, you're out of the water, you're out of the sharks. Are you thinking, I'm never going to do that again? Or did it, did you have a fascination with, I have to see that more and and I have to learn how to handle that situation or never get in that situation again.
0: Yeah. I think the big one once I was on the boat was just realizing like how many levels of things we screwed up, you know, (laughs) I mean, there were so many stupid decisions made there and like, you know, why didn't we have somebody on the boat? Why didn't I have proper gear? You know, why weren't we with someone who really knew sharks? Well, I mean, there's just with guys that were spear fishermen, you know, so like they weren't shark divers. They didn't know shark behavior. Well, you know, I mean, just so many stupid decisions compounded right there that ended up with almost me getting really severely hurt or even killed. Um, so, I mean, that was a big one for me. It was just kind of like a wake up of like, never get in a situation like that again. You know, if you're going to go with some kind of animal or whatever, you need to know what you're doing or you need to be with somebody who knows what they're doing, you know, and not just kind of wing it like that, especially with a situation that can go south so quickly.
1: Yeah. So that's interesting about uh, the what what you do with Casper. I mean that that is kind of how you're making some money right now, is you you invite people to come swim with you and and this ten foot long alligator that you have. Um, and I do notice that there is a net in in what you're doing, but that's kind of the thing. They don't. I, I mean, some of these people might know what they're doing, but they're obviously going with someone who does know what you're what what they're they're doing. You and what is that like for people to get into that enclosure with, with Casper?
0: Well, here, let me, let me tell you how I came up with the idea. Cause I think that's going to give you a lot of clarity into this thing. So I go out and I dive with wild alligators mm-hmm. and I photograph and film them and all this kind of stuff. And uh, so the wild gator stuff is really cool and really fun. Also really dangerous. And I'd have people all the time and to this day still, they hit me up all the time. Take me out in the wild, take me out in the wild. And I'm like, I I can't. Like it's really dangerous. Um, legally you can't anyways. Uh, you know, like you're not allowed to go dive with wild alligators running tours. You can't. That would be like harassment be like of
1: wildlife, or what would that be? Why why can't you do that? Is that a harassment um
0: so well the areas where it's clear enough to do it are usually within um uh national parks, stuff like that where you're and they also have rules you're not allowed to approach the animal within 15 feet um so because i've had a lot of people hit me up on this mm-hmm. you know and then trying to figure out how to monetize diving with alligators in the wild and i've talked to people at fwc and everybody's just like there's no legal way to do that you know unless you have private property and then you own the animal you know which is which there is you go. what we're doing you know for yeah. the tour is the idea you know but actually going out there with wild alligators and whatnot like it's just you they're not gonna they don't want to hang around you either, you know. Like with the wild gators, 99% of the time they're afraid of you and they take off. And if they don't, they're hunting you.
1: Right. You know, <laughs>
0: and so the only way to have them calm and hanging out is if they're fed, and of course we know it's illegal to feed wild alligators, you know. So mm-hmm. just all the way around, it it just doesn't work out as a tour, you know. Um, plus it's insanely dangerous. Like right. as somebody who goes out there, I'm telling you, like, if you do that as a tour, somebody's gonna get killed. Like there's no doubt about it. So I had so many people asking me and then I had a National Geographic photographer hit me up and I was like, oh, dude, it's National Geographic, you know, like I got to take him and, and I'll do it where it's not a tour and we're fine, you know, and, and like we're just going to go take pictures, whatever. So, so I take him out there. Five minutes in, I'm not even kidding you. Five minutes in, we're swimming along and a gator just beelines right for his head. And uh, he didn't see it coming. And like I had him in front so we can get shots so one behind him and I see it coming right for him. And I was able to grab the gator before it got to him. But it was good I mean, it just it happened so fast, you yeah. know, it's literally seconds. And if I had been like, Oh look, there's a bird, he would have got killed. Wow. Like right for his head. And I mean that's what they they just they fixate because if they're on the surface. Um, to, also to make this make more sense too. Like alligators, there's 1.8 million alligators in the state of Florida. They don't typically see humans as prey. We're too big. They're not interested in people. If they want to eat people, you'd have people dying every single day in Florida. So they're really not interested in us until you're swimming. Because when you're swimming, what happens is when they're on the surface of the water like this, their eye is only about an inch above the water. Yeah. And if they're looking out across the water and they see you as a swimmer, all they see is the top of your head and your arms moving. And that this is perceived as a small animal they can absolutely kill. So I've had even five-foot alligators try to come after me in the wild. But five-foot alligators is like a joke. It's like a baby. But they'll still come for you because they think they're coming for this. And at that size, even at five feet, if he grabs your head and shakes, breaks your neck, you know? Mm. So that's why it's so dangerous to be swimming in the wild with them because they will go after this small animal that is the top of your head floating, right? So anyways, though, I had the Nat Geo guy out there That gator just came right for him, dude. And after that, I was like, never again. No, 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 no. Cannot do this, you know? Um, And then I was like, well, so many people hit me up. How can I do this where I can capitalize on it? And then I was like, well, I work with alligators and we got a pond. Why don't we bring people in there and see if we can pull it off, you know? So when I first started it as a tour, uh, we had 15 alligators in that pond. And uh because I didn't know if it was gonna work, I didn't know if it was gonna be popular right. or whatever. So we had 15 gators in there with no net <laughs> There was no net at that point because nobody had ever done this before and I made it up. So there's no law to stop me, you know. So I was like, if if you want to do it, sign waivers, come in with me. And uh so I had people doing it and we did it for um maybe a year or two like that. Uh and then you know, I was like, this is chaos. So once it got a little more popular, we we brought the numbers down to about five or six alligators at once. And then FWC got wind of what we're doing. Again, we're not breaking any laws, but they're like, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, there's nothing saying I can't actually. Uh, And they're like, well, and then they like made a little memo saying like, we're not allowed to be doing that. We have to have a barrier. So then that's when we put up the net and all that stuff.
1: Do you remember the first person that you let in there with you? (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) So really crazy. Um, Somehow I hit like, I don't even know how to say this. Like, really, really rich guys from Mexico that I'm pretty sure are in the cartel. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And they would, I'm serious. I got one of them, like, I don't know how he heard about me and he came over and then like all of his buddies, they'd fly over in their own little private planes, drop in, get in there with me for the day, take some pictures and then fly back home. Uh (laughs) It was was wild.
1: Yeah. (laughs) One of the things that um, I noticed on your, on your um, Instagram, was that you said that like your mission was to wa- raise awareness about um, nuisance gators by and and that was part of the mission of, of allowing people to get in and, and swim so I was just kind of wondering how that works like what what kind of awareness are you I mean you want to make people a- alligator advocates right like you want to teach them about the alligator and and make them a little more uh, educated on the animal but what awareness are you trying to bring for nuisance gators? How do, how do you connect the two?
0: So a um, couple of different things, right? So the first thing I always like to point out is that people think in extremes. And this is our politics. This is everything. It is you're this camp or this camp. People do understand nuanced reality. So with any kind of dangerous animal, it's always bloodthirsty killing machine, perfectly tame, won't hurt you. Yes. And I fight with both of those people. I'm like, reality's in the middle. You know, I got to fight the shark people all the time. Like, I'm a huge shark advocate. I love sharks. And then I got the people who are like, sharks are puppies that don't bite people. And I'm like, bro, I've almost been a statistic multiple times, okay? You can't tell me that giant predatory animal doesn't see people as food. But then if you say that, everybody's like, yeah, kill the sharks. They're mindless killing machines. I'm like, no, reality's in the middle. They're not mindless killing machines, but they're not out to get you. If you have like just half a brain cell and you just learn a little bit about these things, you can avoid becoming one of these statistics, you know? So same with the alligators. It's understand that they are not out to get you. They hang out all day. Like I was just saying, there's over a million in the state. If they wanted to get people, you'd have people dying every day. Hmm. They're really not interested in us but they're also not puppy dogs and you got to be careful and you have to be aware that we're living alongside an animal whose predecessors literally ate dinosaurs. This is a massive, powerful animal. So they do deserve our respect. You have to have some level of education, right? So the other thing though, in Florida, we get about, they say about a thousand people a day moved to the state of Florida. And then we know COVID obviously like tripled that or something, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody's coming to Florida. So let's just go with a thousand people a day to keep it simple. What have a thousand people a day to move to the state of Florida? How many people know anything about alligators? One, probably zero, you know, nobody knows anything. So they come here and then when they first see an alligator, they imagine it's a bloodthirsty killing machine that's going to come after them. And so just trying to teach people that it's not out to get you. Just keep your distance, have some respect, leave them alone. The three big ones I always tell people, Don't feed them. Don't have kids and pets near the water's edge. And don't go swimming in their habitat, like we were just saying, for that reason, you know? If everybody that came here knew those things, we would avoid the majority of these problems. But then what also happens is people get here. They see an alligator. They're afraid at first. And then they realize it's not doing anything. Oh, okay. It's a puppy. They're not dangerous. And it's like, (laughs) it's one extreme to the other. It's so hard to get people to live in that middle ground where you're like, they're not monsters, but they, if you, you know, I, I, I don't want to say the language, but you know, the abbreviation for F-A-F-O. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's also interesting. Like we, you know, we're fishermen and, uh, the shark, the shark situation in Florida is, is, is something that a lot of people talk about. It's, I, I love your perspective on that. Like that there, you know, you can't, no. you can't be in one camp or the other, or like you're not in one camp or the other. You're kind of in, in the middle, and that's where it, most people, I think, should at least be aware of the two extremes. Like they're bloodthirsty killing machines. They're not puppy dogs. They're somewhere in the middle. The proper, you know, if you if you do your part, you're probably not going to have any problem with them. But there's also seems to be um, interested in your opinion of what the population in the in the state of Florida, especially where you're diving. Um, you've been doing it long enough have you seen the increase in, in the number of sharks in that area and, and in the state of Florida?
0: Right. So, um. well, let me get to that. But first, I just really like to emphasize how politicized everything gets. Sure. You know, in that, like, if you are that person on the middle ground, you're hated by both sides. <laughs> you know, both sides think that you're wrong and you're on the other side. And it's just like, it's impossible to have like a meaningful conversation where somebody is not going to politicize whatever you're talking about in some way, you know? Well, Um, uh, unless
1: you have a podcast that you can talk in extended length like this, and this is exactly what we do, like to, to not just a tiny little soundbite of like, well, I don't think that they're puppy dogs. Okay. Well then kill them all. Right. Like, yeah. But if you can have actually a conversation and you can understand where somebody's coming from, not only are you educating people about you know i mean you have a tremendous amount of of experience and information like why wouldn't someone listen to what you had to say about it like instead of putting you in one camp or the other but yeah you're right it's it is politicized
0: yeah. Well, and the problem too, is just attention spans, you know, people, uh, I mean, I look at my video metrics and some, you know, I have my social media channels and that's what I'm trying to be really big on. And so I try to pay attention to like the metrics and the analytics of my social media. And most people don't make it past 30 seconds. You know, if you watch the little graph, it literally goes like long- For minute. You know, but even a minute thirty, like how can you even begin to approach a subject within a minute and thirty seconds? Right. And then people, you know, they just trail off. You know, the majority of people don't make it past their 30 second mark. And it's like, how do you get through to people if they, they don't have the mind to pay attention, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what what is your opinion of the sharks though? do you think that they so um exploded?
0: so my big thing is talking about shifting baselines, right? So are you familiar with that?
1: Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, but go ahead and explain it.
0: So, um, so like the whole concept of like shifting baselines is that we have an opinion on what is normal within our little tiny lives. Mm-hmm. And I mean, our human lives are very small and relatively insignificant. So if what, so Sorry to back up, I'm explaining this incorrectly. So to back it up, so like you're shifting baseline. So your baseline data is your initial data on what you think is normal and everything after that is what you're going to base off of. So for us as humans with our very small lifespans, if we're talking about something that was, you know, 30 years ago as your base point, 30 years ago is when the environment was was in one of the worst situations it's ever been. Because 30 years ago is... Right after I mean, you know, in the 70s, we have the Endangered Species Act, we have environmental revolution, you know, all these kind of things happen. So um, it takes time for those regulations to catch up. So let's say just for the sake of an argument and simplicity, let's say, you know, 30, 40 years ago was at the lowest point for all environmental regulation, as we know. And so at that point, all animal populations, just for simplicity, let's say this, were at the lowest that they're at right? So let's say shark populations were 80% lower than what they would have been uh, pre-European arriving into the States, right? Mm So just to keep everything super simple. So we have a population that's 80% lower than what it would have been uh, pre-European. So then we enact environmental legislation. We have protections. We have all these marine protected areas. All these things happen. And so then the population starts to rebound very slowly, but it's going to go very slowly Because a lot of these animals, especially predatory animals, have a very slow reproductive cycle. So it might take, you know, 10, 15 years, depending on what we're talking about, for it to reach sexual maturity. And then those animals then have to have their offspring to find other offspring. So what you get is an exponential climb. And so that can result in an explosion or a perceived explosion because things can happen so quickly uh, because, you know, again, with those slower life cycles, you have, you know, 20 becomes 40 becomes 80, you know, and mm-hmm. so it does grow expone- uh, exponentially. So it can happen really quickly and seemingly overnight because for us in our very short lifespans, we're like, oh my God, and there's more than ever and ever for us is 30 right. years ago. Yeah. But think about 300 years ago and what it's supposed to be. And so even now we can have more sharks than we've ever had in our short lifespans is still probably like you know, for the sake of the argument, let's say it was at 80% lower than what's supposed to be pre-European. Now it's at like 50% lower than it's supposed to be pre-European. And we're Mm -hmm. like, there's more than ever. We have to do something. We have to kill them. And it's like, there's 50% lower than what they're supposed to be at pre-European level. You know, I'm following So, Okay. So,
1: But there, there's, there's this other camp though, that if you, if anyone says that there's a lot of sharks, no, there's not. No, there's not. It's The sharks are at an all-time low, and it could be worldwide, but like where you're diving and in the Keys, there's a lot. There's a lot of yeah. sharks, and there's more than there there used to be. It's on whatever baseline you're talking about, 30, 40, 50 years ago, there are a lot more than there were, uh, based upon my experience and most of the people experience that spend a lifetime on the water. And it just seems like there's a whole group of people that are just not even willing to – not, not even accept it. Willing to, um, just, just take it as a possibility that you could have a worldwide decrease in the shark population, but in certain areas you could have a massive increase at the same time. It's it a big protected. ocean, right? Like it's a big ocean, right? You could, you could. I think that's what's going on. Like there are more sharks in some areas, there are less sharks in other areas. Maybe overall the global population could possibly be coming down. That's what a lot of the science says. But boy, you can't, I mean for for some people just to just to not even be willing to have the conversation that there are certain areas where there are more sharks than there have been in the last 30 years they're just not even willing to have the conversation. And if you even have that conversation, you're just you're in the wrong camp, right like
0: yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's like politicized. It's super
1: yeah. politicized like. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a whole topic that we talk about a lot of the, are the sharks and you have like the, 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 you know, the fishermen, they think there's too many a lot of times because you can't get a fish up. And then the diving people are like, well, no, I, I mean, we like to see them, right? So cool. So they want more until there are too many. And then they think there's too many, you know, like now we're getting, now we're, we're going to, somebody's going to get eaten. Right, so now there's too many, or I don't know. It's just a funny, funny little um, topic that is well, going on right now.
0: Yeah, I was going to say some of the other points on that too is, you know, like you just said, you got to think in time spans of like 300 years. Yeah, you know, and like that, it's impossible for us to do that. You know, we're we're we people. Right. You know, but we, then, we don't. But then also, like
1: that. there's not data. Like they weren't they weren't having shark. I mean, they would have only counted sharks by the, the number of that they caught on a on a boat, right? Like 300 right. years ago? I mean, there's, so, I, I don't think that they had the same kind of data that we have or we're trying to get today.
0: Right. So one of the craziest things to think about, imagine whales, so many whales that you could literally walk across them and that they would go out as far as you could see. It's impossible to even imagine that. And that's yeah. what those are what people wrote about. And they're not making it up, you know? And even if they are embellishing somewhat, like it's got to be pretty close to that. Or birds, imagine birds so thick flying overhead that they would block out the sun and it would look like it was like, you know, dusk. That was a normal occurrence that doesn't exist anymore. And so, you know, across the board, and again, these are the shifting baselines kind of thing. Like that used to be normal. And now if people saw like 3,000 birds fly by, you would be like, oh my God. That's, that's incredible. This is awe-inspiring. And back in the day, it used to black out the sky, you know, or, right. or the whale thing. So we can imagine that, like, on the sharks, we, we absolutely know that their population has plummeted. Like, we don't know what it was back then, but we can imagine based on the other animals that we do know have plummeted, maybe we can make some some guesses of what it could be. But here's the other thing that makes it so much more complicated is we're dealing with animals that live in the ocean. It's massive. It's massive. We don't understand. We don't even know where a lot of sharks breed. We don't know where they go. And a lot of these animals have migratory patterns. They go outside of our country, of course. Mm -hmm. And so if they're going outside of our country to an area that has no protection at all, you know, should we alleviate our protections? Because it seems like there's a lot here when maybe ours is the only stronghold they have. Right. You know, or if we're talking about like Jupiter, we know that is an epicenter for sharks. We know that that's a major migration point for them. And it's kind of like it's kind of like if you're, you know, like you're a human hunter or whatever. You're somebody bothered by humans. I don't know. And then you go into a club and you're like. God, there's so many of them in here. Kill them all. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're going to a place where they all hook up and have sex. Like, you know, <laughs> if you're going fishing off Jupiter, man, you, you might as well be going to the club and be like, look at all these disgusting humans everywhere. We need to kill some of these things. Yes. Not realizing that they're coming from all around the surrounding area to that point. Yeah. You know,
1: or like a football game. It's a football yeah. game for sharks, it's a Super Bowl. Like, you're, yeah, like, or a college football game. You pack 100,000 people in there.
0: Yeah, that's their friggin' spot, you know, and it's like if you're going to their spot and you're like, God, there's so many. Well, duh, like, you know, go to a football game like why there's so many humans here. This is gross. They live in this kind of density. We need to bomb them.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. What? No, I, I, I certainly see that. But, you know, I think I think with so many of the fishermen, like it's it's really more than just off Jupiter. Like it's it's all the way up to like Maryland and all the way down to Key West and then around through the through the gulf like the sharks are there there's a lot of them and no matter where you're fishing in in that whole eastern seaboard or the gulf of mexico it just seems like there are a lot which i think is good like that's great there's a lot of them right but yeah it, it, it can be frustrating you know to to a lot of people to 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 fish finally catch the fish that they want and then it gets eaten
0: yeah. Well, like on the Eastern seaboard, especially too, like we have a comeback of like marine mammals, mm-hmm. you know? Um, So that, that helps feed, you know, the great white population. So going back to the whale thing, you know, like you wipe out all these marine mammals or, you know, not even whales, everything. I mean, we have wiped out everything. We are in this sixth mass extinction. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Like this is a mass extinction caused by humans across the board for everything. And so, when we do start doing environmental protection we do start seeing that kind of stuff come to fruition then we are going to see these population explosions that within our smaller single or double generational lifetimes we're like oh my god there's more than ever not realizing it's actually way less than it was before people were here you know
1: yeah i'm following you on that for sure um it's a it's a it's a difficult conversation to, to to have because we don't have so much of the data from 300 years ago or whatever like we were talking about um, but I'm, I'm glad to get your your opinion on it what about what about the TV like uh, that seems to be uh, a place where you're at a crossroads you've done so much Discovery Channel National Geographic what else what, kind of can you name off a few of the for people that aren't familiar with your work all the different stuff that you've done
0: yeah so I I like have a little like, the, the, the list I always read off whenever <laughs> I'm doing things, I'm like, I've been on Jew, Animal Planet Discovery Channel, Travel Channel, CNN, NBC, E, History, Fox, The Weather Channel. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, so I've done a whole ton of different TV, and um, some of those shows were really fun and really uh, good time, you know, but most of them are not. Most of them, I really did not like my experiences on a lot of these TV shows, um, and most of them are just... They're garbage, man. Most of them are fake. A lot of them are abusive to animals, uh, to the people. It's it's not a good time, you know. So, so people that's abusive
1: to the animals and the people.
0: Yeah, I've worked on a lot of TV shows where, uh, like, I mean, which one do you want to talk about first? Either either one. <laughs> yeah, on well, I'll give you like on the people's side because it's just shorter. Uh, they just straight up lie to you all the time. I've gone on shows where they the entire premise of the show is not uh being told honestly i've been on shows where they're like oh yeah man this is your show you're the star of this show blah 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 and like tell me over and over and over these guy calls with interviews this is going to be your show you're the star of the show and like you kind of start thinking like man they keep on saying that so much like they just kind of like fluff my ego like you know why they say that so much and then you get there and you realize it's because you're not the star of the show. This other dude is, and they're trying to pit you against them. And that way you're going to have this like anger of like, it's my show, man. And he's like, no, it's my show. And like, th- like that's literally what happened to me on one of these shows. Well, And like, I saw it coming, thankfully. I like, I saw it coming. I was already had a lot of suspicion towards producers. So I was like, I literally looked at the camera so they couldn't use it. And I was like, oh yeah, it's going to be this kind of show, right? Where you lie to me about it. And then this guy, yeah. Okay like <laughs> wow. so just shows like that i mean i've been on shows of producers where like we're working with an animal or something and one the other guys said something that was incorrect and i was like actually that's not true it's xyz and he's like oh i didn't know that and the producer's like no we're saying that because it sounds better and because it was about like this animal will kill a dozen people and i'm like no it really doesn't um and the producer's like no that sounds better we're using that And i'm like wasn't the show supposed to be like educational and he's mm-hmm. like the producer literally said the the effing people will effing eat what i effing feed them wow it's literally what he said he's like i don't care you don't like it get off my set i'm gonna say whatever sells wow like like i'm not and that, that was a guy from animal planet
1: what? Huh?
0: <laughs> and it's just like dude like what um i i've done like uh i've worked on like survival kind of stuff um one of them like right i'm obviously an animal lover i love animals i'm actually vegetarian because i love animals so much and i was on there i'm like look we can do like a kind of survival kind of stuff we can talk about it whatever but i'm telling you right now i know how tv works Absolutely, we are not killing anything for the sake of filming for TV. If we're actually surviving, yeah, I would kill any animals. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I am vegetarian only so far as it makes sense and I'm able to do it financially and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not like a zealot. Like I'm I'm very realistic about it. I'm able right now that I don't have to do that. If I had to, I would. Um, but whatever. So we're doing a TV show and I'm like, we don't have to. I you know, like this is just for the sake of TV. And I, the guy swore up and down. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. I made a very big point of saying it multiple times. And then they bought a pig and they brought it into the set so that we could kill it to survive. Huh. It's not even survival. It's not even a wild animal. You brought a domesticated animal in here so that people can kill it on TV for rating. So it looks like we're surviving. And like, I mean, I, I literally got up in the producer's face. And I'm like, I'm not going to kill him, but I don't beat the crap out of you. Like, we're not <laughs> in America anymore, buddy. Like you, you think you're going to play this game with me? Like, it, oh, it was Well, bad, I can see dude. why
1: you're not, not, uh, not so fond about TV and, and leaning more towards your own, your own kind of deal. If, when you look at your, uh, your YouTube, your social media, like what, blue sky, like what, what kind of message, what, what, what would be the mission or the message that you're trying to get through on your own channels when you're, when you're in control, totally in control of your own, uh, message?
0: I mean, just trying to show reality, uh, what is actually real. I mean, that's the other side of it too. On the animal side, everything on TV is staged, you know, or not everything, but 99% of it is staged. Almost everything on TV is faked, you know, it's just like, like fishing shows. I'm sure, you know, you know, where they're like. They got a guy down there, hooks it up. Oh, we got a big one. Oh, oh. reel it in. Like that would so be, much I would thing.
1: love it if that was actually that easy. Cause I've been doing fishing shows for 20 years and uh, we have never had a diver that was so good that they could hook up a fish and, and we could catch it. But I, if we could do that, we would catch a lot bigger fish than what we catch yeah. on our show. <laughs>
0: well i i mean i've obviously never worked on a on a fishing show i imagined it might be the same but i've worked on so many like snake or or alligator shows where they literally do that they literally have i have been the guy in the bushes with the snake and let out the snake right in front of the guy so they can be oh my god look let's catch it i've been that guy when i was a kid multiple times on tv shows i mean now that i know better and i watch shows and be like that's completely sage. That alligator is a captive alligator. It shows signs of metabolic bone disease that you only find in captivity. That's not a wild alligator. They do it constantly. They're out in the wild and they catch a wild alligator. And somehow it looks exactly like one out of a zoo where its teeth go like this instead of like this. Mm. Like very nuanced things that you would know if you know about these animals, you know? So right. they fake all that crap, you know? So I assume they probably do that for a lot of fishing shows too. I don't know.
1: Though. I mean, to an extent, I guess maybe, maybe bass fishing where you know
0: it is a, a, a fish that lends
1: itself more to captivity but i mean you're not going to do it with a sailfish you know or or right. like you know a bonefish or something like that i don't i don't i mean if if that's possible i haven't figured it out yet but <laughs> i mean maybe maybe it is it could be maybe i just i'm going to have a realization that that my my business could be so much easier <laughs> if we did that but we actually have to go out there and catch them not only do we have to go out there and catch them but we have to do it with like a boat following us, which at, and when I first started it, I was like, I can barely go out there and catch these things by myself when everything is perfectly quiet and everything is good. Now I got to take this boat with me. Like it made it a lot more difficult. You got, you got camera guys back there and slamming the cooler and slamming the hatches and you're like,
0: God, All right, I, okay. I got one for you. So I was working on this show that, you know, he's signed contracts, so I can't say what it was all this kind of fun stuff, but we're trying to catch a, uh, a crocodilian, right. A really big one. And we're trying to do it for real. Um, cause you know, I Like I've seen some of these shows, like a lot of them, especially in the reptile, you know, snake, whatever, mm-hmm. a lot of them are fake. So this one, we're trying to catch it for real. So I'm overhanging on this tree that was like over the water so i'm like 20 feet over the water and i have a rope hanging down i have bait there and we're attracting this 12 foot crocodilian that's coming in and i'm like we're gonna get this thing but it's very wary it's very smart you don't get that big being stupid right so it's coming in it's taking its time taking its time all the camera crews up in the bushes and they're waiting you know for it to happen and they're just hanging out up there in the bushes waiting Hour goes by, two hours, three hours, four hours, but it's coming in, and this is how it is. Like, you know, I'll be out there all night. I'll be out there till the sun comes up. I've done it plenty of times, yeah. and it's coming. Yeah, it, I'm gonna get it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. I'm gonna get this guy. It's just taking time. So, like, six hours in, and he's like, he's like twenty feet away. Like, I'm gonna, it, it it's right there, man. Like, I almost got him. <laughs> and then all the camera crew just turns on all the lights and gets up and starts talking. And I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, uh, union time. Oh, no. I'm serious. I swear to God, they literally are like, yeah, union time, uh, we're done. You know, it's been this many hours. We're done. And I'm like, we're in another country. We're here for that animal specifically. The entire reason all this 20-people crew is here in this country is for that one animal, and we just blew it. It will never come back now. And we never got him.
1: Wow. Union time. I haven't run into that one, Um, but I can tell you, I mean, it's, you have to be very careful with, with hiring the camera guys because it, you know, like if you're going out trying to do it for real, you're going to try to catch a, you know, a slam, a a permit, a bonefish and a tarpon all in one day. And you're going to, you know, you're not going to do the magic television. We're trying to do this all in one day. It's going to take a long time. Like, I mean, that's a really full day or, or you just need one more. And man, sometimes you keep the camera guys out. I mean, and they're they're They work hard, man. They got the cameras on their shoulder all day long. They can't miss anything like, you know, that they got to work hard. But the choice of who you hire is really, really important because you get the guy that's like, "Uh, I'm done. Well, that's when it's going to happen. That's as soon as you put the camera down. That's when it's going to happen. Uh, in my business anyway, um, tell me before we uh, finish, you got a couple of different things that I was interested in. You did some work with David Blaine and uh, what, what are you doing with him?
0: So, um, I've worked with him a few times over the years and he is one of the coolest guys ever. I mean, like, I work with a few different celebrities and, you know, things like that, and a lot of them are not as cool as you think. You know, a lot of them <laughs> kind of suck. Um, Never meet
1: your heroes. That's what they say, right?
0: Yeah. So a lot of them, yeah, they're, they're, they kind of suck, right? But, no, David Blaine is like, that dude is the real deal. I cannot speak highly enough of him. He is so cool and so nice. I mean, for somebody who's, like, really, really, like, legitimately famous yeah. and, like, multimillionaire, the first time I met him, um, I was in – what. We were in uh, Beverly Hills. And uh, so, well, he, he hired me out there to be a consultant on a gator project for him where he was holding his breath inside this glass orb with an alligator. And so I was just there as like a safety guy or whatever. And um, everything went fine. Uh, he knows what he's doing, but I had to be there for like insurance or whatever. And so after the after the shoot, like I never met him before. And I was like, you know, you know, so nice to meet you, all this stuff. And he's like, oh, where are you staying tonight? And I'm like, I don't know. I was just gonna grab a hotel. He's like, stay at my place. My mansion's right there. I've got a ton of rooms. I'm like, you sure? He's like, a yeah, yeah, come stay at my place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like literally. And like he just met me, you know? And then so like I stayed at his place and he's like, well, I got a bunch of stuff I got to go do. But if you want to take my motorcycle out and go out on the town, feel free. Wow. I was like, I just met this guy like 10 minutes ago. Like, I mean, not literally, but you you know, it's just like, oh my God, this guy's so cool. And so then I got to work with him on a couple different things. And like, he does a lot of magic, you know, like illusions with like the cards and stuff, but the stunts are real. Like they're totally, there's no illusion. People assume because he does like magic on one side that then the actual stunts must have a trick behind them and, and they don't. I mean, he's like, he is superhuman in his mental capacity and being able to suffer through pain. It's crazy.
1: One thing I was going to ask you about is like, he he held his breath for 20, for 17 minutes. Like, yeah. And, and from everything I can tell watching that, it looks legit. Like he, it looks like he really did it. And I watched this thing. It was like a little documentary on how he prepared himself for it. And he was, he really trained for that for a long time. And you do a ton of diving. Like what's, how do you hold your breath for seventeen minutes?
0: So uh, that's on oxygen assist, though.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, you breathe pure O2 beforehand, which um, n- doesn't take away from the amazing part of it, though. Like, right. m- make that straight. So, like, like I do freediving, right? So my best, my personal record, I've held my breath for five minutes, and that's just that's on regular, regular air. Exceptionally good.
1: Exceptionally, it's, good. it's not
0: bad. Um, there's people who do way better, you know, and people have beat David's record. Now he held the record for a while, but people have since beaten it. But so David said, um, I, I don't want to miss cold. I'm pretty sure he said that his regular air breath hold, uh, like, like what I did with no special, anything, I think he said he did seven minutes, I think. Um, so, I mean, that's another two minutes from what I did. I'm like, I couldn't even imagine. And so then if you do the oxygen assisted, that's what allows you to go a lot longer. Um, but it's still amazing. It doesn't take away from how incredible that is. I you think that would
1: be also very dangerous, man, to, to the pure oxygen going straight into your lungs. You'd have to really know what you're doing. That's what impresses me about him is like when he does something like that, he studies it, like or it seems like it. I don't know the guy, but oh, it just no, you're seems right. like he just immerses himself in it and just studies it and studies it and studies it. And then whatever it is, he's like, well, I'm just going to have to be the best in the world at this in order to pull off this trick. Right. Like, yeah. like if I need to, I mean, that's, I would imagine that that's probably the way it started. He was doing some kind of trick where he needed to hold his breath a long time and he did it probably. And then he's like, well, I think maybe, what's the record. Maybe I could do that. Like, and yeah, do a real
0: thing. Like, And he hires, like he, like you just said, he hires the best of the best to teach him and so, like, when I when I was working for him in Vegas, uh, he's doing his Vegas show. He just did one the other day. But um, uh, so when he first started the Vegas show, he had the alligator in there, and he's holding his breath in the glass orb with an alligator. So, again, I was there for the alligator. And then also I was helping him out. I'm also a rescue diver, so I was helping him out as a safety person for that, too. Um, And then when I'm on the set in Vegas, like, it felt like I was on a TV set. And because I've done that a lot, you know, but it's not. But it felt like that at first. And when i've worked on tv sets i'm used to so many people just being schmucks and so many people just being idiots you know like a lot of the producers and i'm like how did you get this job (laughs) and like that's what i'm used to and then i'm on david's set in vegas and i just assumed i don't know it was like that from my tv work and i realized every person around me is the top of their game everyone i met i'm like hey how you doing whatever and he's like oh yeah i'm helping dave with the balloons i'm the guy that does orients all the marvel stunts where they fly and i'm like whoa and i mean this other guy you know and then this guy and this guy and i'm like everybody here is best of the best of the best and that's how he trusts his life in these people's hands because yeah. he's getting the best people there are from every field
1: that's super interesting and you got the vegas uh budget right like i'm sure there's a pretty heavy budget that comes with a, a vegas show every week he packs the theater every week so yeah he's got to have a you know like whatever you need Hire whoever Yeah,
0: he. It was so cool. I'm on stage with him. And uh, like oh well to back it up, so when he did his breath hold, um I was there with him, and he's not really training for the breath hold. You know, like when he went to do the record, he's training for that. For the show, he's got so many different things. He's jumping like 70 feet, he's flying in a balloon, he's sewing his mouth shut, literally, like for real, not a not a trick. Uh he's putting the ice pick right through his arm. Like he does all this crazy stuff. So for the breath hold, he's not even training for it, and he did with the oxygen assist again, but he did 10 minutes, and I was right there with him. I'm with him the whole time, you know, I'm a safety guy. So, like, he did the 10-minute breath hold, and then I helped pull him out of the water, and he's just, he can barely move. He's so limp, and then I help him onto the stage and hold the mic for him, and, like, I'm helping holding him up, you know, wow. and then look out and just see this huge crowd. And like, hey, there's Eminem. Hey, there's Woody Harrelson. <laughs> hey, there, like there's so it's crazy. There's Edward Norton. Like <laughs> it's nuts, man. Is, like it's that so crazy. Is nuts.
1: Have you ever seen that Instagram with uh, that guy who calls himself Mister Ten Minutes? I have not seen that. I don't know what he does, but he can apparently hold his breath for ten minutes anytime he wants to, and he does all these videos in the pool. Uh, I just think it's wild, like that some people can train themselves to do that. And then, then you can go even further, like 17 minutes. And then I looked at the record, like 24 minutes or 23 something for the record. And I'm sure that's oxygen assist and, and I don't even know how that works, but man, that is, that is incredible. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, basically you're just breathing oxygen and, uh, fully oxygenating your blood and so it's all in your system. Um, in that way, you know, you get a longer hold off of it.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. So tell me before we go uh, about the cobra work. I heard uh, Kevin told me you've been working with cobras.
0: Yeah. So, um, well, I have for a long time. So um, when I was down here in South Florida, when I first, well, not, I'm up in North Florida now, but when I first <laughs> went to South Florida um, and I was down there, uh, the first job I had down there when I was in college was doing venomous snake shows. So we'd handle cobras and puff adders and rattlesnakes and all this cool stuff in front of like audiences, like 600 people. And so it was just wild to be like, you know, 19, 20 year old kid. He's like, kind of, I was kind of an idiot, you know, and I'm sitting here handling a Cobra in front of 600 people. And I'm like, this is wild, you know? <laughs> um, but then recently uh, it was supposed to be a secret, but David Blaine was just on Joe Rogan and, and he, he said it. And he mentioned me on there, which is really cool. you mentioned on Rogan, right. Yeah. But he was like, yeah. So he, he just kissed the King Cobra and he, you know, he, since he said it, I can say it now because they may be, you know, sign all this stuff. You're not supposed to say it. But so I was helping train him to be able to uh, kiss the king cobra. Wow. And so we were just, yeah, it was so cool. Uh, and, you know, working with him and working with the cobras and it was incredible. And, so when
1: he comes to you, so he just calls you sometime and he's like, hey, listen, I got this thing I want to do. I want to kiss a yeah. king cobra. Like, is that kind of how it went down or how does he, how does he propose that to you? That I want to learn about yeah. cobras because I want to kiss one on stage.
0: Yeah. And, um, I don't know how much I can say exactly until it airs, you know, but like, yeah, when he first called me, I was just like, oh God, what?" <laughs> cause it's so dangerous. And I know because I know David, it's going to be for real. And it was, he did it. He pulled it off for real. That snake is a real snake. Real king. It is not venomoid. The venom is still there. It's not defanged. It's not like tranquilized. Like that snake will kill you. It is not a joke at all. Full blown, hundred percent real deal King Cobra. Wow. Um not playing around. And it like I don't I don't know how much I can say exactly. You know what I mean? But um like a lot of guys will use like like they're going to work with an alligator they're going to work with the casper of alligators Mm -hmm. you know they're going to work with one that's trained and chill and nice and then they're going to act like it's a it's a wild one this was a wild king this was a real deal king like that's what i mean when i'm like it was the real thing it was not like a casper of cobras it was a that thing will light you up and end your life like and and he did it for real man but like when he called me to do it and i was just like I don't know if I'm going to do this. Like, I don't want to be the guy that's responsible for his life. Cause like he, its a pretty high probability like he might get killed on this. And I had like, I don't know. I had like two weeks where I was like trying to decide whether or not I was going to take the job. Cause I was like, I, I don't know if we can even pull this off. And like, even if we do it and everything is great, it's still, even for an expert, it is so dangerous that like, you might get killed anyways, even if he's great, even if he does everything right. He might get tagged and killed. You know, I mean, if we're dealing with a real deal King, that's an adult, that's like wild. Even if you're awesome at it, we those snake handlers that do this stuff on the regular over in Southeast Asia. Yes. They do not have a high life expectancy. Yeah. Like they, they get killed pretty often.
1: Uh, There's some videos of, of like a guy walking into a room full of Cobras and, and you've probably seen it. Um, but one kind of raises up and he turns around and sees it and he smacks it on the head and, and all of them just kind of are chill, but he's just sorting through these cobras. Like, I mean, what are, what's going on there? Like, can you do that? Like, are those snakes somehow tame or like, what is going on in a video like that of, do you know the video I'm talking about? Like, yes. Yeah. I mean, why would they have that many in the, in a room anyway? And why would somebody be sorting through them like that?
0: I don't know the background on that video. Um, that could be for—I hope it's not, but it could be for a venom lab where they collect a lot of snakes and house them together, and then they, uh, you know, milk old and collect venom. Mm-hmm. But if it is for a venom lab, I really hope they handle them better than that. Uh, that's not nice, you know. Yeah. That's not cool. I mean, the cobra is just holding up. It's trying to defend itself. It's not attacking. It, that's right. a defense mechanism. It's not an attack thing. And then you smack it in the head like its brain is right there. Yeah. Like you smack it like that, like you can you can easily break bones cause brain damage like that is not good for that animal right right? but so i don't know exactly what's going on there um i don't know if those snakes they could be defanged um you know they could have their mouths sewn shut that's often done really well yeah it's very often yeah wow so a lot yeah so sadly a lot of snake show guys that's what they'll do is they'll sew the mouth shut or they'll rip the things out uh which doesn't make it 100% safe either by the way those are I mean not only is that abusive to the animal it's not foolproof either people still get bit and still you know get killed whatever um, but also in some of these places the turnover rate for the people is negligent you know like somebody dies there's somebody ready to step in anyways. so yeah, it's, it's a very different mentality.
1: yeah that is that is a different mentality certainly than uh, than David Blaine. Doing doing what he's doing that's that's crazy. Um, well, I know I want to be respectful of your time because you uh, you already had a an animal crisis and I'm sure who knows what's going on uh, behind you right now. Um, but I really appreciate you coming on. You told some incredible stories and really nice to get to know you a little bit. I'd love to come and see your uh, North Florida uh, facility when you get that when you get that uh, all set up um, or or the South Florida one. My my daughter saw your. Uh, the people swimming with the alligators and she was like that looks pretty good and i was like seriously you want to do that so yeah I don't know, maybe maybe she'll tour. maybe she'll uh maybe she'll really want to do it i don't know how we'll old is she that. uh she's 20. yeah oh, okay yeah
0: yeah yeah i was just making sure the age is 16 you yeah. know um but yeah come do it man um yeah. right now we're still doing them uh every saturday right now down at everglades outpost in homestead you can come get in the water with me and Casper. It's really cool. And then uh, once I get my stuff built up here in North Florida, I'll be doing the tours up here too.
1: Okay. And then for people that want to uh, uh, find you, follow you, see your content, how do they do that?
0: Um, so on Instagram, it's Gator Boys Chris. On Facebook, Chris Gillette with the uh, verification thing or my backup on there is Gator Chris. And then on TikTok, um, uh, Gator Chris 1. I need to make them all the same thing. Yeah. Um, and then on uh YouTube, I've got a channel I do called Florida's Wildest with my girlfriend. And then I've got another one called Gator Chris, which is more of like, almost like a podcast kind of channel where I just talk and do deep dives.
1: Nice. And then what, then you have a, um uh, there's Crocodile Chris too, right? Is that your, yeah, is that yeah, your website? I, I,
0: yeah so that was the uh the photography website or no the tour website is crocodile chris and i have a bunch of stuff on there and then i've got a photography website too which is com. i need to hire somebody that knows uh internet stuff to make everything the same
1: there you go (laughs) there's a there's a job for somebody that loves snakes and sharks and crocodiles uh they that also knows the internet
0: yeah, cause I don't, and I need somebody that can streamline all this stuff for me. <laughs> all
1: right. All right, well, Chris, man, I appreciate you coming on. It's great to uh, great to get to know you and um, great, great conversation, man. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for having me. I really appreciate all right. it. Don't get bit.
0: Yeah, don't get bit. All right. See ya.